Hey, Prime members, did you know you could be listening to this episode ad-free on Amazon Music? With Amazon Music, you get access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts, including all your favorite ESPN podcasts. Avoid the ads and start listening today. And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post Podcast as we approach the, I don't know, almost midway point of the first round. And the first round for the defending champions... The defining dynasty of the last 10 years in the NBA took what I considered a somewhat unexpected turn about eight hours ago or 12 hours ago. I've lost all track of time. Late in the night when the East Coast was sleeping, Joe Dumars in the NBA announced that Draymond Green, lightning rod, heart and soul of the Warriors, best defensive player of the last 15 years in the NBA, the perfect modern defender, best playmaking power forward of all time, probably has been suspended for Game 3 in Chase Center with the Warriors down 2-0 in what some have characterized, maybe prematurely, maybe not, as a last dance season for the Warriors with Draymond holding a player option for next season, with Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins having already been extended, with Klay Thompson up for an extension this summer as he was last summer. They didn't really get anywhere in discussions. And, of course, that alleged last dance season began with Draymond Green striking Jordan Poole in practice, the video of which was then leaked and really was jaw-dropping in its violence. And now we have the real possibility that it's going to be bookended with the Draymond Green act of aggression. Um, Mark Spears of Anscape, you live in the Bay. You know this team better than anyone. Um, I was personally surprised that Draymond Green was suspended. I didn't think he should have been suspended. It took several uh, groin kicks and wrestling moves for him to get suspended a game in the 2016 finals, which may have cost the Warriors a championship, but ironically may have also gotten them Kevin Durant because they didn't win a championship and Kevin Durant felt comfortable going there. So but we'll just call that a wash. And Joe Dumars in his press release um, cited Draymond's history of unsportsmanlike acts and in an interview that he just did with Adrian Wojnarowski today of ESPN cited again repeat offender words like that and so it's pretty clear Draymond is being punished more than the average player would because of his past deeds and we should also say DeMontis Sabonis has been listed as questionable for game three with sternum injuries I I haven't checked in today on what his actual availability is going to be. Um, I'm, 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 I'm still surprised as you surely know, Mark, the Warriors were shocked and caught off guard last night. Um, There's some anger within the organization toward the league. Um, There's a sense in the organization that Sabonis is shoving people on offensive rebounds and playing with his elbows out and using the ball as a weapon uh, on offense and, well, why is what, what you know? So of course, someone eventually retaliated. You can give that any validity or not. This is a huge, huge blow for the Warriors, and we can talk about how they might adjust. But I want your reaction first to the suspension. Uh, I'm with you. Um, maybe so much not. If there's a step down from stun, what would be the word? Surprise! 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 Yeah, yeah. The thing about it that. You know, it's very interesting to me is that Joe Dumars is in a really tough position. Draymond Green is like his mentee. Like Draymond Green, like basically like spent a lot of time at his house during his youth. 
You know, I think I think not mistaken, Joe Dumar's son uh was Draymond's AAU teammate. And so like this is this is like unk <laughs> like, like to Draymond that has to make this decision. So I know I I know it's it's kind of a painful to this decision for Joe to have to decide about family. Um but Joe has a job to do. That being said, what what is very um, surprising to me about the decision is um, you could clearly see that Sabonis grabbed Draymond's leg. And I don't know that many other guys in the same position like would have reacted it much differently. Maybe the stomp wouldn't be as hard. Um, but, you know, you have a player trying to get back on defense and somebody grabbed their leg and you know, in a sense, I thought Sabonis probably should have been ejected too. For, I thought for it was. Action, I thought know. it was legislated. I said on TV yesterday. I thought it was legislated perfectly. Yeah. Technical on Sabonis. Draymond escalates it, gets ejected, and I said, yeah. "Let's leave it there. I don't want anyone yeah. to get suspended." Yeah. And the NBA is telling us, without hiding it, he is not being suspended in, just for that act independently. Yeah. They're basically saying yeah. if it were just another guy doing that, he wouldn't no. get suspended. It's Draymond Green. So he got suspended. Yeah. And and I think that uh, you know, let's let's be honest, Draymond gets a lot of rope. And if if such was a case, if such was was bothering them before, then why make the big punishment now, right? Maybe maybe they should have gave him that warning before like, hey, you know, enough is enough. Um there's emotion with Draymond every game where his emotion could get him wrong, right? So it, it, it's almost like this parent that, uh, you know, lets the lets the their kid run wild, and and but then all of a sudden you want to discipline him real strong, and it, so it just just the. The reaction, respectively, from the league, I thought was, I'd have preferred them find them, you know, that then then take a game away from a team. Uh, and, and I think Sacramento, like, here's the thing that's sad about this series so far, uh, Zach, is you had the E40 game, right, which took it away from an incredible start for the Sacramento Kings and what they've been doing and, and how they, you know, beat the Warriors and didn't look like a team that hadn't been there and done that before. They, they've yeah. been incredible so far. And survived but, a wide-open Andrew Wiggins three that yeah. could have won the game. I mean, that exactly. feels like a distant memory now, but that was yeah. that this was almost 1-0 Warriors. Exactly. And and then they came back and, and, and won again. And, um, you know, obviously Sabonis – definitely seem hampered the rest of the game and we'll see if he plays in game game two and now we're we're talking about this instead of talking about what the kings have been able to do and and if i'm the kings too like i'm guessing based on what how they spoke after game two that they were pushing for a draymond suspension that they wanted the league to do it but man don't don't get no asterisk just beat them like they they don't need they don't need that and and if they're pushing for that, I I know the Kings are excited and they're desperate to win and desperate to get to the first round. Just just beat the champs fair and square, man. Don't don't get no. Uh, uh, 
I, I kind of feel like on one end, the Kings are pushing real hard for this to happen. They're probably celebrating this happening, but man, just go beat them. You know, you know, they're good enough to beat them with Draymond, beat them with Draymond rather than have a potential asterisk on the series. Well, and we know a series doesn't start until the road team wins and the road team hasn't won yet. And the Warriors yeah. are amazing at home. And I, I think they had learned some stuff in the first two games against the Kings they had learned what kind of lineups they were probably going to lean a little bit more on in yeah. game three, several of which were going to feature Draymond Green at center because De'Aaron Foxes and Malik Monk are just eating them up, eating Kevon Looney up and drop coverage on the pick yeah. and roll. And that's been part of a great, to your point, the Kings have played amazing and they, they have gotten no, no one is talking about that. Like to the point, like we literally had, I, I, I had the production staff build a segment for us on NBA Today yesterday highlighting the Kings' defense and how well they are playing all the Warriors' split game and screens and all that. They're yeah. switching. They're they're helping when they should, and they're helping off the right guys. And then they're not switching. They're getting over screens. They're just, they are just on point. And we had to scrap it. We might do it today because we had to talk about Draymond the yeah. whole time. Yeah. And I mentioned the pick and rolls. That that was clearly a point of emphasis for the Kings. Game two, they ran 75 pick-and-rolls. This is not a high pick-and-roll team. That was their second yeah. most in any game this season. Game one was 65. That was their 10th most. And it's all Monk. Monk's two most frequent pick-and-roll games by far are games one and two of this series. Yeah. And I, I thought we'd see more Draymond at center, even more than we have. I thought we would see the Gary Payton version of the pool party lineup. The pool party lineup has disappeared because they have no faith in pool right now, and he's injured. He had the ankle thing. I I thought we might see Curry, Clay, DiVincenzo, Wiggins, Green as sort of a lineup that's five out and gives you Draymond at center. Um, and now all that is gone, and we might see Kaminga at center. Yeah. We might yeah. see Wiggins at center. We might yeah. see Jermichael Green at center. Yeah. We might see Anthony Lamb get get dusted off, yeah. and none yeah. of those answers are anything like Draymond at the five, and that's why I, if Sabonis is injured, I, I on the one hand the result of Sabonis injury should maybe not change our analysis of the action, but it does. It inevitably yeah. does. If he's actually injured, that's going to color my analysis of what the proper quote-unquote punishment for Draymond is if he's not injured if he's good to go I just I don't like I don't these these are the defending champions a defining team in the history of the NBA down 2-0 backs against the wall I don't like I just don't like the NBA suspending their iconic Swiss Army knife on defense for a must-win game yeah, of, this, it, it of, affects, this, of this of this magnitude, it, right? It affects it. Yeah, um, I get why they did it, I, and I and they're telling us why that. I get it. It's yeah. a hard decision. I just, it, I didn't, I didn't expect it. Yeah, I mean, you know what? If it was a predetermined action, I think I'd feel more comfortable with it. Like if he walked up to him and socked him in the jaw, then I'd I'd be more comfortable with it. This, but the fact that it was an action caused by an action. That's that's what bothers me. It's not like Draymond caused the the issue. It was somebody else that caused the issue, you know. And um, so he was just responding. And I'll tell you what: the way the Kings been running the ball down their throat, Ooh. like he, 
Hey, he trying to get back on defense. <laughs> like that whole team is a track meet for the Warriors. And so I think that's part of the frustration. Like, man, I'm trying to get back and stop your team, man. Like, the Kings are looking at them like a bunch of old dudes. And any chance they could get, they're, they're getting on that track meet and, and running it down the court. And so it's almost like the Warriors in a lot of ways seem to be running for their lives every possession on defense, man. Like they got to get back. And so maybe I guess for this one game, Kaminga gives them some youth and some athleticism that could potentially help. Um, J. Michael Green didn't really help much the first game. Like you said, maybe they got to dust off Anthony Lamb. Kaminga is a feast of famine player, baby. Like he could look like they need to send him back to the G League, or he could look like he could play in the All Star game tomorrow. And so I think the Warriors are really going to need Kaminga to like be the star he has potential to be tomorrow. He, like, he's going to have to be for them to, you know, survive this game and, and to get a victory in this series, which is also, Zach, new territory for the Warriors. Like, they this, this group has never been down 2-0. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. It's also the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your personalized training in mind. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes help you focus on your needs and goals. They are also made to challenge you with a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, okay, full body strength, marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. Peloton's expert coaches and nonstop vibes Hashtag vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. And with a wide variety of options, whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. That's onepeloton.com. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code LOW. That's code LOW, L-O-W-E, my last name, the name of this podcast. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. It's been a lot with Draymond over the years. Like, it's a lot of this. Yeah. And I love, look, I love Draymond. One of my favorite things I've ever written is a thing where he and I watched film together in the 2019 playoffs, yeah. and he took me through his thought process on defense. Like, I, I was early on him. I think he's a genius yeah. and a Hall of Famer. But it's been a lot. And the pool punch was a lot. And it, yeah. and it impacted the team. And it, at least for a time impacted the perception that some people within the team anyway had on Draymond. He had some making up to do, and they and they talked publicly about that. And now here we are again. He's going to miss a critical game on a team that's like with pool playing like he's playing is not like loaded with options. They have You can see them struggling. They're playing four-guard lineups now yeah. because Wiggins is just back. They don't want to overstretch Wiggins. And here comes Kaminga and like, oh, we got to dust off Moody. They don't have the same kind of cohesive identity that they've had in the past and they just it's it's going to be hard for them without one of their foundational pieces and I'm just wondering internally 
Like, is there a Draymond fatigue factor? I mean, obviously he's he's not he doesn't have to be a free agent this summer. He can pick up his player option, which is twenty five, twenty six million, whatever. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Is, is there any sort of like wear and tear of this over the years? I mean, they're generally defensive of him. They love him. They understand that the fire that burns, mm. as you said, that that can cause some of this is what makes him the player that he is. But man, it's been a lot. You know what? It's 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 interesting you mentioned that and, and going to the Jordan Poole thing. Like, I've known Draymond pretty well since he walked in the door at Oracle. And he, or actually, when he was coming off the bench in Summer League when he first got to the Warriors. He, year three, Steve Kerr and Bob Myers told me. Yeah. Year three, we penciled him in for 12 minutes a game off the bench backing up David Lee. That's yeah. what they thought of him going into his third season. And then David and Lee then got hurt, and the whole history of the NBA changed. Wally Pip, he Wally pipped him, right? Um, when I've talked to to Draymond about Jordan, there's a sense of remorse that I've never seen from him. There should be. Like a sense of, like he feels really bad about it. And it's, uh, if, if he's not a dude that regrets much, but I think if he could go back in time and fix that, he would in a heartbeat, no matter what it costs. Um, and I think the thing that pains him more is not his pain but more so Jordan's paint on how people have maybe teased Jordan or something like that, or or the what what the, the ridicule and and that Jordan's dealt with from it, right? Like he, I I like I said, I know him really well. I've never seen him be remorseful about anything but that, and and it it seems to be really really strong remorse and. Uh, I'm sure Jordan could feel it. The team could feel it. You, you get this sense at times that they, you, you, there's this Draymond fatigue until they lose Draymond for 10 games, and then you see how they play without him. <laughs> right? And then you're like, okay, now you understand why he's so valuable, how there's so many things that he does that not only defensively, but I think what he does offensively also is underrated, like screens he sets getting the ball to clay and, 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 and Curry for open shots off of screens where right when they come off that screen, the ball is waiting for him with a crisp pass. Um, just, just the way he does things on both ends of the floor, um, like certainly affects the game more than all the three pointer. And I, I, I don't know that you could really grade or, or quantify what he does but anytime he's gone for a length of time, like last season, when he was gone for what about a month and a half, two month stretch, they were pretty, they were struggling without him. And then seems things picked up. So kind of like, uh, yeah, you know, you, you almost have to live with some of the, some of the the things that drive you nuts because the things that he does so great are have too amazing of an impact on this franchise. So it 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 sounds good it sounds good to want to push him away until you really sit back and and calculate what he does for this team on the floor. Yeah, I wrote a piece after the pool thing on Draymond and you know there's this been this whole sort of he he's such a he's become such an archetypal player. Like everyone is searched. Every team wants their Draymond Green. And there's been a lot of like yeah. false, I false idol Draymond Greens coming into yeah. the league over the years. And they're uh, connected to that. There's been this whole debate about like, what does Draymond Green look like 
without Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, right? Like, what what would he look like in Detroit, for instance, yeah. where Joe Dumars ran the team yeah. for a long time? But um, but you also have to flip the question, like, what do those guys look like without him? Exactly, and, and my I don't think and, that question is asked enough. And that's know? what I wrote in my piece. Is like, look, here's the bottom line. The most important reason the Warriors are a championship franchise and play the style that they do, which is totally unique in the NBA, is because of Steph Curry. That's the most important reason. It's not Draymond Green. Yes. And you could have built an elite championship offense around Steph Curry in any number of ways. You could have built the traditional spread, pick, and roll offense around him, any which doesn't need a playmaker like Draymond. Um, that's how good Steph is, an all-time great player. But Draymond amplifies everything that Steph and Clay are, amplifies the style that they want to play, moving around, off the ball, cutting, screening. And there's nothing wrong with being an amplifier of a top 12 player of all time. Draymond is a Hall of Famer because of it. And they look different. They took on the form that they took, which is different and ungraspable and really, really hard to deal with, in part because of Draymond too. And they took on the form they took on defensively with a 6'6 center who can guard every position on the floor in a switching defense that totally revolutionized the NBA because of Draymond Green and nobody else because of Draymond Green. And then Andre Guadalla and others. But So I've been on the, the, the side of Draymond is a, is a true blue Hall of Fame superstar player. Um that's neither here nor there. Hovering over all this is we haven't even talked about the new CBA at all, yeah. which is going to have these incredibly onerous penalties for teams that go over this gigantic secondary apron. Now, you have to go over it three times in five years. But if you do that, your first-round pick goes to the end of the first round in that fifth year. Like That is a crazy harsh punishment for yeah. super spending. And, Again, it's three out of five years, so you can duck it. You can limbo under it and avoid that penalty. But look, Steph, Poole, Clay, Draymond, Wiggins, that's going to be a lot of money if they re-sign all those guys. But that's that's down the line. I do feel I do feel what you're saying about this should be a just a total celebratory moment for the Kings, and yeah. it should be a just all-out, spotlight, amazing Game 3 and 4 in Golden State. And now yeah. it just feels weird. I, I kind of, yeah. just as a fan of drama, I, I hope the Warriors find a way to win Game 3 because if they don't, history says the series is over and all the drama just out of the balloon. Yeah. And, you know, I was talking to Harrison Barnes about this. I've talked to Fox about this. Like, our network, respectfully, and I work here. <laughs> Me too. That other network. They should have put this team on TV, man. I I tried to tell Zach, you were there without. You were the soothsayer. You're the soothsayer. Like, like, hey, this team is good. They're gonna be good. Like, I'm trying to tell anybody who listened. And um, but early on, with what the way they started, like they should have got some games. And it hasn't been until these two games that anybody nationally has really seen how fun they are to watch. How amazing Fox is. Like I've I've been loving watching him play for years and lightning quick. And he he's got like this Ferrari kind of like game to him where he could go to zero to one hundred real quick, but yet can stop on a dime. He he's like a um a baller ballerina the way he moves, man. Just it's just incredible. And I'm glad the world is getting to see him. And I'm glad the world is getting to see what what 
the Golden One Center is like at a, at a game and how crazy it is and how fans are there. And, and, and so that's what also like, yeah, it's like everything that Sacramento has finally been yelling to the moons about how they are relevant and how they are here and pay attention to Fox and pay attention to Sabonis and Mike Brown's going to be coach of the year. And Fox just got award that that first Jerry West award, like it ain't talked about because of all this. Um, and I think Fox and Sabonis are both going to make all NBA. If I, I they were yeah. both on my all NBA yeah, no teams, question. both on third team. I think they're both going to make it. Yeah. And so, I mean, really and truly, I think, because they are playing such a mammoth star, the only way they're going to get their respect and the only way we're really going to truly tell their story is if they eliminate the Warriors. Like, I think it wouldn't come to the second round. It wouldn't come until they slay the Giants. Because there's just so much intrigue with the Warriors, Draymond, Steph, Clay, who, like, their aura is so big that even when the Kings win, it's a footnote to what happened with the Warriors. They're just they're just that that beloved globally. So now you know the Kings and and the Kings are they're the better team right now, right? They're they're the sec third seed for a reason. Like they're supposed to win this series, but I I don't think they're going to get there just to until they slay the champ. One of the big stories of the, the series has been the Kings' defense, as I mentioned before. The Warriors are scoring 109.5 points per 100 possessions in this series, in two games only, obviously. Yeah. That, would, that would have ranked the last in the NBA among 30 teams. Now, you want to immediately say, but what about Steph? They're plus 14 with Steph on the floor and minus 25 in 18 minutes that Steph has rested, which is crazy. Yeah. Okay, yeah, they've Steph been better with Steph. 40 last game? Yeah, they can't take him off the floor. Yeah. Um, even <laughs> Zach, you'll 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 like this. I, I think he uh, in the locker room, great Marcus Thompson, phenomenal reporter. Like he's the uh, Steph, like the the guy that knows Steph better than anybody. Um, they were talking about how Steph played forty minutes, and, and I told Steph, I'm like, I think you gonna have to play forty eight, man. <laughs> like I don't know if you got that in your body, but. And he kind of smiled to me when I said that, like, he might have to play the entire game for them to survive. Or nor at least 45. And even with him on the floor, they're only scoring 112.5 points per 100 possessions, which would have ranked like 25th in the NBA. The Kings are defending really, really well. Yeah. And the Warriors are contributing to it. This has just been like a classic disaster scenario for the Warriors where their turnovers are abysmal. And some of these turnovers, even by Warriors standards and the Warriors throw the ball all over the gym are like complete madness. So I don't even know what the hell's going on on some of these. They're getting smoked on the offensive glass and they're fouling the hell out of everyone. The Kings free throw rate is through the roof. They actually, I think they have the highest effective field goal percentage in the NBA among all the playoff teams. And yet their offense stinks because they're losing all these marginal things. And a lot of that is the Kings are just on point defensively, and I hope we get yeah. to talk about it on NBA and today. Guards, today, hey Fox, Monk, Mitchell, like we gotta give a shout out to Dave, Mitchell too. Davion Mitchell, they're balling, massive bro. X factor. They're balling, and and like they're contending every shot, and they're just they've been a menace for the Warriors to catch up with, man. Yeah, I like look Gary Payton's probably gonna have to like. 
I don't know. I, I'm really curious to see you're you're a Steve guy, like what Steve decides to do with his starting lineup, right? Like, should he just go small and Whew. and put Gary Payton in there? Well, that's the that's the thing. Like, I don't even know what they're gonna do. You can tell when the Warriors are stressed. I would think it's Kaminga. I would think it's Kaminga, right? Does he trust Kaminga that much? I mean, I have a choice. <laughs> but but hey, well look at look at Kaminga. What's his numbers when he starts? Probably good. I'm a big Kaminga. I'm a big Kaminga fan. So can I'm just gonna I'm quick? just gonna pencil in there good. You can you can look him up and I'll I'll talk while you do oh, that. All right. When the Go Warriors ahead. are stressed, they tend to run more Steph pick and roll. And they yeah. did that in game in game two, they ran forty Steph pick and rolls. That was their fourth most in any game this year. But his pick and roll partner is gone. His main pick and yeah. roll partner is suspended. For game yeah. three, who does That's that become? I'm it about could, the little things that Draymond does that people could don't, become. It know. could become GP two, who's a screener, a good screener, and they need GP two to guard one of yeah. Fox and Monk. Could become Looney, Kaminga. I mean, it's just and their second best offense a lot of times in this series has just been letting Steph cook one on one. Like, forget the screen, just yeah. let him cook one on one. And De'Aaron Fox, same thing for the Kings. So I don't know what the hell they're going to do. Yeah. I'm sure I'm going to guess Kaminga's numbers are good as a starter because starting next points, to Steph and Clay is nice. It's a nice life for you. Points on forty eight percent shooting from the field, four point three rebounds, two point nine assists. And they've used them. They've used them on twenty eight minutes though. That's in twenty eight minutes. They've used them on Fox and. Yeah. If he, I mean, I don't know what they're gonna do if they if they play Kaminga and Looney together. Can they switch the Fox Sabonis pick and roll? The thing about Sabonis is when they when the Warriors play small and they have Draymond on Sabonis, they can't switch because Sabonis will destroy anybody else on the team in the post as as sort of banged up and raggedy as he's playing. He's a brute. Hey, Zach, Sabonis is playing, bro. He's been playing with that that rag that rag that beat down surgically needed thumb all season. He's not gonna not play. I'm, gl- I'm he glad might you wear said it. A be- flak jacket or something like that around <laughs> it to protect it. He's playing, man. I'm not, I'm not buying this. The bonus ain't playing thing. He's too tough of a guy to to not play. I'm not saying he's not gonna be in pain or he's not in pain. I'm not questioning the injury. I'm like praising his grit and toughness. Like this, this same injury is the same injury CJ McCollum has, who's probably getting surgery at the end of this week on that 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 thumb. Like so, like if he's playing with this thumb, you got a damn near like he need to be on his deathbed for him not to play. So I I can't see this is in respect to his toughness. Not saying that he's not in pain. Not saying that he's not hurt. I'm not saying he's making it up. I'm just saying this is one of the toughest guys in the league. And his his his, his dad is was a big old tough dad guy too. I see him playing. Well, I guess we'll see what happens in game 3. And then everything will flow from that. Yeah. If the Warriors go out meekly in this series, there are going to be some tough off-season questions, I think. No question, um, no question, yeah. And and Bob Myers too. But we didn't even mention Bob Myers. Steve Kerr, I think, has one year left on his deal yeah. after this season. Bob Myers' future is uncertain with the Warriors anyway. Bob Myers' future is fine. Bob Myers can f- oh, yeah. freaking run for governor of California if he wanted. Yeah. Um, and we mentioned Draymond and Clay, and we'll, we'll see what happens. Mark Spears, any parting thoughts on this uh, on this series? The Kings soothsayer, you told us all at the beginning of the season. <laughs> um. E40 will be back with a vengeance in game three, trying to make his presence known. That's my prediction. 
I like it. Mark Spears from Anscape, <laughs> Naismith Hall of Famer. Let me say that again. Naismith Hall of Famer. Thank you, brother. That, that's you come. That's, are you going to come? I hope so. It's in September, right? Yeah. No, August. August 11th. I might be out of town. I might be out of the country. We'll see. If I'm not, if I don't. Watching watching some football. eh, Something like that. But no, I mean, think about that, Mark. Naismith Hall of Famer. No, man. It's it's, it's beautiful. Has that settled in yet? You know, when they announced it, um, All-Star Weekend, I got, it it hit, it hit, you know. Um, And then now, like, but to really be there, like, somebody's like, man, you're going to cry. And I'm like, no, I'm going to be reading off a prompter. I'll be fine. But it's 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 going to be different once you get there. But the, the I think the thing to me that probably will hit is it's not a speech. It's it's just being in that group. But also, I think when I get a chance to actually go to the Hall of Fame and see it, yeah, I was going to say man, this this is yeah because I I don't, I don't know when I like is, when do they put that up? Do they put that up this year? Do they put it up next year? But just to know that um my name is in there until the end of that building is is just like wow just it means a lot to me more more than you know man it's 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 more than you know well deserved read everything mark puts out at anscapes had a bunch of stuff this week already i can't even keep track um enjoy game three and let's hope it's a let's hope it's a proverbial barn burner mark spears everybody thank you sir thank you brother you can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes! Catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's there up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, watch out for them. You name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. All right. Thank you, Mark Spears. Uh, I just want to quickly hit some, uh, all three of the games that happened last night. It's hard to kind of scramble guests at the last minute. I had takeaways on all of them. I just want to say them into the world. Starting with the least dramatic of the three, Hawks Celtics and my biggest takeaway from that series is how embarrassingly overmatched the Atlanta Hawks look. This team was in the conference finals two years ago, and they just looked completely outclassed by the Celtics. And that's not unexpected. I picked the Celtics in five. They're better. They're bigger. This is a nightmare matchup for the Hawks across the board. But the degree to which they just look like they play in a different basketball league has to be alarming for the Hawks brass, which is going to maybe face some questions this summer. We'll see if they respond at home, you know, get one. Can we get one in Atlanta? Can we force Boston to work a little bit? Because they haven't had to work very hard in these first two games. And that starts with Trey Young, who is averaging 20 points. That sounds nice. Seven assists, five turnovers a game. He's shooting 35% from the floor. 
and 3 of 13 on threes and looks completely overwhelmed by Boston's size on defense. He's indecisive. He's skittish. He's getting into the lane. He feels a defender on his back. He sees Horford or Rob Williams in front of him. Do I lob it? Do I take a floater? Do I make a last-minute pass over here? Oh, my God, I'm passing on the way down. Turnover, another turnover. Atlanta's transition defense is awful. Trey Young uh, is doing nothing off the ball as usual when DeJounte Murray has the ball. It's like all the worst Trey Young stuff, and of course he's being hunted just mercilessly on defense, mercilessly in every possible way. Wherever Trey Young is, find him. They bring him into the screening action with Tatum, with Brown, with Smart, with whoever, and he just doesn't offer any resistance. And part of that is just physically, he's kind of slight compared to those guys. But if he has to have multiple efforts on the same play, got to hedge this way, then got to hedge that way. Can I get under that screen? He's got one effort in him, one, and that's it. And then the play devolves into somebody on Boston getting an open shot. But it, it's more than it's more than Trey Young. DeAndre Hunter is their wing stopper. Four years, ninety million, has no shot against Jason Tatum. No shot. Jason Tatum just blowing by him one on one, just flat blowing by him. He's got to be better. John Collins. I said before the series, I, I don't know what place he has in this series, and and that is kind of proven true so far. They had to move him on to Jalen Brown defensively because DeJounte Murray was overpowered in that matchup. And that's a tough matchup for John Collins. Jalen Brown's just faster and more creative than he is. And when the Hawks have the ball, the Celtics just aren't guarding him. Sometimes they're guarding him with Robert Williams when they're in, in big alignments and just letting him shoot threes and he's missing threes. And if he's missing threes, they they don't really have a lot of places for him in, in the series. Um, Jalen Johnson got played off the floor in game two with, with Robert Williams not guarding him and just patrolling the rim. It's just been it's just been an awful, awful two games for the Hawks. And this is obviously Quinn Snyder's team now as the coach. He's gonna have a lot of juice in front office decisions. They just turned over the front office. If they go out like this in four games or even five games, I think they gotta look in the mirror and start asking some tough questions in the offseason because they they are so overmatched. Derek White is outplaying Trey Young. And that's a compliment to Derek White. Derek White has been incredible this whole season, extra incredible in this series, beating the hell out of Trey Young on offense, swarming him from all over the place, blocking shots at the rim. If Derek White's out playing Trey Young, you got no shot. And the Hawks right now have no shot. Knicks Cavs. Cleveland did what they were supposed to do last night. Even the series with a blowout win at home, as 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 higher seeded home teams often do, after winning after losing rather the first game. And the biggest story of the game to me was Karis LeVert. Karis LeVert became the answer to the who's the fifth guy question for the Cavs. Uh, they just out and out benched Isaac Okoro. He played three minutes, got in foul trouble, never saw him again. I don't know where he was. Maybe he watched the game from the stands. I'm just kidding. He was on the bench. I saw him. Um, and their sort of A lineup, which is their four best players in LeVert, uh, has been outstanding all year in not that many minutes, plus 82 in 231 minutes and was plus 19 in 15 minutes last night. And pointedly, Levert was the hiding place for Jalen Brunson when the Knicks were on defense, and they exploited it, which Isaac Okoro couldn't do, with Jetty Osmond can't really do, Danny Green. Danny Green! Hey, Danny Green is back. He can't really do it. But Karis Levert could. They blew open the game with Darius Garland, Karis Levert pick and rolls, with Karis Levert as the screener often. And trying to see what the Knicks would do. You're going to switch Jalen Brunson onto Darius Garland? No. Ooh, ooh, you're going to kind of hedge, but not really. It's kind of an ineffective hedge. You're going to get yourself in rotation and 
give Karis LeVert an open catch or give Darius Garland the ball back on the move or let Karis LeVert bully ball drive Jalen Brunson to the rim. And Karis LeVert stepped up after a horrible game one and punished Jalen Brunson. And you can do that with Donovan Mitchell, Karis LeVert two-man game. You can do it with Karis LeVert as the ball handler, which we've seen a little bit. And my question for the Knicks is, is it really just impossible for you to switch Jalen Brunson onto Darius Garland? Like, you just can't do that? I, I don't... You're going to put yourself in rotation like this and look totally discombobulated doing it instead of switching your point guard onto their point guard? You can't... I, I understand Jalen Brunson is not a great defender, but I don't think he's, like, a bad defender. He's a little undersized, but he's stocky. He's strong. He's, he doesn't have the the kind of first twitch quickness of Darius Garland, but, like... You can't even try switching on that when you're getting torn up the way you were getting torn up. Just a little a little strange to me. Their offense, the Knicks' offense has been terrible with, with Jalen Brunson off the floor. Like The numbers are straight-up comical. They're scoring 78 points per 100 possessions when Jalen Brunson is off the floor because quickly has been eh through two games. My six-man-of-the-year choice, not looking great, six-man-of-the-year Emmanuel quickly. He needs to pick it up. And a key ingredient in those no Brunson lineups is R.J. Barrett. And we're, what, seven games into R.J. Barrett's playoff career? Is he going to have a good playoff game at some point? Because I'm, I'm waiting on the good R.J. Barrett playoff game. He's 6 of 25 from the floor in this series. 6 of 25. He was 26 of 67 from the floor in the playoffs two years ago, which means he is now shooting 32 of 92, 34%. In the playoffs, it's just it's just not good enough, and their offense without Brunson looks totally discombobulated. Randall has been just okay after that hot first quarter. He's actually not been very good after that hot first quarter of game one. And if if it's just Randall battering Ram mode, I I, I like especially if his ankle is not a hundred percent. I think Evan Mobley and Jared Allen are just going to grind that slowly but surely to a point of not destruction, but not effective enough for the Knicks to win the series that way. Um, and I also liked the Cavs kind of started blitzing Brunson a little bit on the pick and roll in game two. You know, Brunson, Mitchell Robinson. All right, we'll blitz you. We'll put two on the ball, make you give the ball to Mitchell Robinson. You know why? Because we don't have any faith that Mitchell Robinson is going to make plays in open space and in shaky spacing. We're going to make Josh Hart hit threes. We're going to make Mitchell Robinson make plays. And there was one possession we had caught the ball at the foul line open, and he kind of like, oh, what, what's what's next? And the defense converged and and that was it. Their best offense was really Jalen Brunson just getting the ball at the top of the arc where it's hard to double him and letting him cook on whoever was 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 guarding him. Hartenstein's a better playmaker, much better playmaker in open space than Mitchell Robinson. That's something to monitor. I picked Cavs in seven before the series. Um, I think this is going to be, should be a long series, but those two games at the Garden are going to be awesome. And then the headliner... The Phoenix Suns staved off what would have been an absolute DEFCON one day of stress and media coverage and anxiety with a come from behind and pull away late win over the Clippers who have been credit to the Clippers, like massive credit to the Clippers. I did not see this kind of nip and tuck war coming with Paul George out. Paul George, who can guard all the key players on the Suns to the degree that any of them can actually be guarded and Devin Booker could not be guarded. Last night, 38 points, rain and fire from everywhere. I just didn't see it. I just didn't see it coming. And the Clippers have come out. They have settled on a non-Paul George rotation. Lots of Terrence Mann, lots of Norm Powell, lots of Eric Gordon. They've thrown curveballs at the Suns, starting with Kawhi on Ayton 
to start the series and Zubats on Tory Craig. And then as soon as you get comfortable with that, we're moving things around. Eric Gordon's guarding Durant. Then Russ is guarding Durant. Hey, here comes Kawhi on Durant. Here comes a different scheme. Here comes his own defense. Hard to get in rhythm. Hard to get in rhythm. And Russ, well, first of all, Kawhi, Kawhi is just in total playoff god mode. And that's what they need to have any chance in this series. They cannot afford even like an average to below average Kawhi game. They won't win that game. And he's been unbelievable. Won the first game for him. And game two, there was a possession last night in game two where I just started laughing watching it. I think it was like two minutes left in the first quarter. The sun set a pin down for Kevin Durant. He was he was right under the rim and I think eight and set the pin down. It's the same play the Clippers run for Kawhi all the time. And Kawhi was on Durant. And, you know, DeAndre Ayton, maybe it was Biombo, I don't know, whoever it was, it was a, a large person setting a large person screen. And Kawhi Leonard, just like the Matrix, just avoided it, like like Neo, somehow didn't get screened. It reminded me of Tony Allen used to tell me, I, I would say, how do you avoid these screens? And he's like, you just don't get screened. Well, but how? Well, you just don't get screened. Zach, you just don't get screened. You, it, like the question was just fundamentally unsound to Tony Allen. He didn't understand how people could... Be curious how you avoid screens. You just do it. And then Kevin Durant caught the ball, and Kawhi Leonard just stuck out his left hand and took the ball from him and dunked. And I wrote in my notes, holy <laughs> Kawhi. Um, and then Russ, I, I will continue to eat crow on Russ. I did not see any of this coming. I thought it would be a dis- not a disaster. I just didn't think it would work. I didn't think it would work well enough for as many minutes as it has worked. And he was sensational again last night in helping the Clippers stay in the game. And they made Phoenix earn that game. And, of course, they earned it with one long two after another, which is their secret weapon, their secret sauce. They only took 24 threes after taking 19 in game one. That's not going to be enough. But for now, it's been enough to even the series. And you saw down the stretch, they found Zubats, no matter who he was guarding. We don't care if you're on Craig, Aiton, whoever. We're bringing you into the pick and roll, and we're going to see how you do. And sometimes he came out pretty high to try and stop those jumpers. But even then, he, he's not hes not trapping. He's not even quite at the screen. And then he's backpedaling. And once you backpedal, you're toast. And sometimes he was just too low. And Paul, with a redemption game, and Booker and KD, just rained jumper after jumper over him. And we're going to see if that's one of those games where it's a sea change and the Suns have settled in and figured it out and found the pressure point for which the Clippers have no counter, or or if the Clippers can tighten up that pressure point just enough to bend the math in their favor, and I'll explain that in a second, or if they have another card to play. We saw them play a little zone. Will they blitz with Zubats and just say, we're not letting you take these jumpers. We're going to make you hit Torrey Craig on the roll. We're going to make you hit Aiton on the roll and make those guys beat us four on three. Now, that is um, a dicey proposition when two of the four are going to be some combination of Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and Kevin freaking Durant. But the other two of the four will be DeAndre Ayton, who needs to have, if the Clippers do this, needs to really punish it, and Torrey Craig, a Josh Akogi, or whatever bench roulette wheel, whatever that wheel settles on for Monty Williams, who has no, no um, consistency. Here's TJ Warren. Oh, bye, TJ Warren. Here comes Damian Lee. Bye, Damian Lee. Terrence Ross, you play four minutes a game, one year out. We'll see if they if the Clippers go that blitz route. That's the Suns have the tools to exploit that. Do you dust off Robert Covington and go five out and switch a little bit more? Do you try to switch with Plumley? 
switching against Kevin Durant when they start using him as a screener and a ball handler, that gets a little dicey. Switching Mason Plumlee on Devin Booker, that gets a little dicey. Covington hasn't played in, in quite a long time. The Suns have a lot of answers. That's the benefit of Kevin Durant. He's a walking answer. He's got an answer for everything. Um, the, the answer, of course, is just going to be a combination of all this. You can't give these guys one look over and over again. But what you definitely can't do is give them a drop coverage look over and over again. Unless your guards are so airtight getting over screens that those jumpers become hard. And the Clippers have been very, very good at that. But Toom is like hooking his way around Aiton. Terrence Mann is just a maniac on defense. Kawhi is unscreenable. Like, they have the tools to do that. And that's where the battle is really interesting. It's only been two games. But I looked this up today and I had to double check it. The Suns in those two games, 60% of their shots are mid-range shots. 60% are either floaters or long twos. To put that in perspective, the highest share of mid-range shots for any team in the regular season was 40% of attempts. The Suns are at 60%. Only 22% of their shots have been threes. Actually, 22.9. Let me be precise. The lowest share in the regular season was 30%. Only 17% of their shots have come in the restricted area. The lowest share in the regular season, which was them, was 26%. They are The Clippers right now are forcing the Suns to test the limits of the idea that they can just win with mid-range shooting. And I already had thought the Suns had tested the limits of whether they could win with mid-range shooting like two seasons ago and last season too. This is a new extreme, and it's just going to be interesting to see if the Suns can find ways to get different kinds of shots, if it even matters, and if the Clippers play some schemes like blitzing, for instance, that might unlock different kinds of shots. Like if you blitz, you risk Aiton eating at the rim. You miss kick-out passes for threes. You miss kick-out, drive, kick, another three. Um, the Clippers just have uh, have been more competitive and have more answers than I thought they did, and it will be very interesting to see how they come out defensively in Game 3 in L.A., and although it feels like the Suns now have momentum, and maybe they do, maybe this is that sea change game, the Clippers now have home court. The Clippers have some confidence. They're tough. They're gritty. Um, they're, they're kind of just stocky muscle is giving the Suns some issue. And at the very least, they are exhausting the hell out of the Phoenix Stars. The minutes, the minutes are, are um, piling up fast for guys who are aging and somewhat vulnerable to injury in Chris Paul and Kevin Durant. And the rest of the Western Conference is at the very least tipping their cap to the Clippers for that. But this has been a much better series than I thought. Those are my Game 3 takeaways for the games last night. Uh, Spears was awesome on the Warriors. And tonight we have Heat Bucks. See if Giannis plays. Nuggets Wolves, which was a complete Nuggets walkover in Game 1. And Lakers Grizz. We'll see if Ja plays. And we will talk to you later in the week. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.